I've, I've entitled this sermon today, uh, uh, A Year of Good Riddance. Year of Good Riddance. And I want to speak a little bit about forgiveness today. Today is the day that we're going to say goodbye to some of the stuff that's taken place over this past year. Jesus says in Matthew 6, this, th- these are very, very serious words. This is in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's just fantastic. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. In other words, those reckless Woeful sins. You need to forgive. Let them go. Give them up. Any resentment or bitterness, let them go. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 18. Just before the parable, Peter comes to him and says, Lord, how many times must we forgive? Seven times that he makes the suggestion. It was uh, quite extravagant because it's twice as many times in the book of Amos. It says three times and the fourth time God didn't forgive. And he says it's doubling that. And shall we forgive seven times one day of the week? I don't know. How many times must we forgive? And he says seven times. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. I mean, this is an extraordinary number of of, of things, and I'm going to speak about about that. And then Jesus goes on and he tells this parable of the parable of the unmerciful servant, and I want to read this parable uh, now. And uh, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal parable. It comes from Matthew 18, and it reads from verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife, with his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. I'm going to stop there and just talk a little bit about that right now. I mean, this was an extraordinary amount of money. This is a servant... And the Bible, if you remember Andrew's message, has translated this into servant, but it was actually a slave. How can a slave come up with this kind of money? It's 10,000 talents. A talent, today, in today's terms, is equivalent to $600,000 times 10,000. You're talking about six 
billion dollars, which equates in South Africa's exchange rate to dollar 114 billion rand. How on earth can a slave come up with that kind of money? You can't. You can't. I mean, you know, to think, let's just put this in perspective. The average person lives between 70 and 75 years. Average, I mean, we, we can maybe live a little bit longer than that. You know, old George just celebrated a birthday, which I won't mention, but, uh, he's old. <laughs> and he's in, he's, he's still in good health. But the average person lives around about two and a half billion seconds. And this person owed 114 billion rand. It's just no way that he can possibly pay. He is up to his nose, his eyeballs, over his head in debt. Huh? And there's no way that and the king forgives him. Just like that. The king forgives him. I mean, paying bills is never, ever any fun. Just hold that for me for a moment. Paying bills is never fun. It's just always quite a, and we have to do that every single month. We, we, we work out how much we have accrued, how much money we've earned, and how much money we're going to pay out. And every single month is, uh, how much is your total debt? You worked that out lately? You should do that calculation every now and again. But imagine how hopeless we stand before God. I mean, in terms of the accumulation of all our debt, all our sins, all our sins of omission, the things that we didn't do that we should have done, the sins of commission, the things that we have done that we shouldn't have done, our thoughts, our, our wicked thoughts that only God knows about, our motives and some of the things that we've done and we've said that God knows and everybody else knows uh, as, as well. And if you multiply that debt by the population of the world of 8 billion, I mean, it's just a huge, huge debt. But God has remedied the situation graciously and he sent his son into the world. To forgive us of our sins. And God sent his son. And Jesus came. And they stalked him. They lied, lied about him. They harassed him. They maligned him. They threatened him. They arrested him. They flogged him. They spat on him. And they crucified him. And hanging on that cross, what do you think Jesus said? Do you think that he tried to vindicate his reputation? Do you think that he tried to reveal some truthful facts about their secret sins? Do you think that he would call his angelic army to annihilate these bunch of pelucas? This is the person who, who, who has created the entire universe. Creation took place through his word. He spoke. I mean, he can just say and bring a curse to these people, but he didn't. None of that happened. Jesus absorbed it. He took the shame. He took all the wrath, straining with every single breath, blood and sweat pouring out of every pore. 
this dying body cried out, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Rather than attacking his enemies, Jesus interceded for them. And how did they respond? This is an interesting thing. I didn't know this until this last week. The soldiers got a sponge and some wine vinegar and put it on his lips. I always thought, well, Jesus didn't take that because it was the wine vinegar. But where they, where did they come up with the sponge in the middle of nowhere at a crucifixion site? What is the sponge for? Well, this is what is the situation. Rome issued soldiers with a sponge to use as toilet paper to cleanse themselves after they had gone to the toilet while they were out on patrol and while they were in the field of battle. And they would attach this sponge to a stick and scrub their feces off. And then they would dip it into this wine vinegar as an antiseptic to prevent infection. And it was that kind of sponge that they dipped in wine vinegar that they put on the lips of Jesus. And he didn't take any of it. With the taste of the soldiers' most recent bowel movement on his lips, Jesus would say a few more things. And for three hours, darkness was cast upon the earth. Darkness that separated the sun from the crowd, just in the same way as sin was covered, the Son of God, to the point where Jesus cried out, and this was the only Old Testament thing that he did on the cross, verse that he repeated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus cried out, It is finished. If you belong and have committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. Forgiven of everything that you've ever done, past, present, and future. Jesus died that we might be forgiven. And for, for us as Christians, this is good news. I mean, that's why we celebrate Good Friday. I mean, to, to think uh, at the wonder of, of, of this moment, the, the worst treatment to the greatest person is good news. I mean, it just boggles my mind. The worst treatment to the greatest person is good news because of what Jesus Christ has done. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ died for our forgiveness. He gave us new life. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 to 32 speaks about God gave forgiveness to us. And because we've received forgiveness from him, we are to go on and give forgiveness towards others. So, let's carry on. With that parable. But when that same servant, this, this guy's just been 
I need for you to grasp this. He's just been forgiven 114 billion rand. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's probably in today's terms about 9,000 rand. I mean, 9,000 rand is 9,000 rand. We all like that in our pocket, wouldn't we? But compare that to this extraordinary amount of $114 billion and found somebody who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him. That was permitted under Roman law, saying, pay what you owe. So the fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have mercy, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master, the king, uh, all that had taken place. And then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Okay. Jailers, some translations, the, the ESV softens that up a little bit. Some translations say torturers. I'll get to that. Until you should pay all his debt, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So let me just share a, a, a few points there. This was a huge debt that had been forgiven and this man refused to forgive somebody this minuscule amount in comparison. I mean, even if just paying the interest, say the interest rate is 10%, I mean, it's 11.4 billion rand just on interest alone. I mean, that's an extraordinary. I don't even know what the bond rate is right now. But I mean, in 1998, the bond rate went up to 25.5%. I mean, it was, it was rough. <laughs> but they owed a huge, but the stupidity, the stupidity, you've just been forgiven so much and you refuse to forgive somebody this minuscule amount. Look at the response of the king, the master. He says in verse 32, you wicked servant, because you fail to forgive, you're a wicked servant. And in verse 34, and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers to be tortured. Completely forgiven, completely set free. Him and his family, he's free to go. If only he had walked in that forgiveness. He would have been a free man. But he decided, I'm not going to forgive that person. He owes me 9,000 rand, and I'm going to have him put into jail. And look what happened to him. He was just going to be sold into slavery, him and his family, 
He begs for mercy. He begs for the king to be patient. And the king says, sure, I forgive you. Go. He's a free man. And because of his unforgiveness, because he holds that resentment in his heart, he's in a worse predicament, in a worse situation than what he was before. He's now handed over to torturers, him and his family. I would imagine that in biblical times, torturers were pretty much torturers. And you're going to be tortured. You're going to be... And there's no ambiguity here. This parable smashes our arrogant unwillingness to forgive. And we're left defenseless. The truth of this parable is that we are to be to others what God has been to us. Let me just quickly share what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Forgiveness is cancelling a debt. What happens when we owe something? It's, it, it, we, forgiveness means that we don't, we're not required to pay. Somebody else has chosen to pay for us. It's a gift of grace, undeserved love. Something that we haven't earned in any way. Colossians 2 and verse 13. The second part of verse 13 says, Having forgiven us, all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All your debt has been nailed to the cross. Those who have committed their lives and, uh, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in debt to God. But because of what Jesus has done, he's cancelled that debt through the permanent work of the cross. That is the bedrock of the Christian faith. That is the essence of the Christian faith, of what Jesus has done for us. And forgiveness is a once-off and it's an ongoing process. How many times must we forgive, said Peter? Seven times? No, 70 times seven, which means that's 490 times. So if each day I'm awake for 16 hours, figuring out that I'm sleeping for eight hours, if I'm awake for 16 hours, if I have to forgive 490 times, that's 30 times an hour, that is once every two seconds. It's limitless. It's ongoing. You see, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a permanent attitude. On and on. Norman Cousins said, Life is an adventure in forgiveness. It's not a once. It's a continual thing. Forgiveness is the opposite of vengeance. Romans chapter 12, it says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. This is a situation, this is a response that only belongs to God. We can never assume vengeance. And as soon as we climb down the ladder and seek vengeance from somebody who has hurt us and who has offended us, we're leveling off at the same level as that person who has offended us. 
But if we climb the ladder, the ladder of forgiveness and experience closeness to God, we walk away from that so that God can intervene in that situation and sort that person out. Vengeance or forgiveness is the opposite of bitterness. It's the opposite of denial, opposite of vengeance, opposite of nursing a grudge. Forgiveness does not require an apology. Sometimes the wrongdoer doesn't give a hoot. Sometimes we need to understand that two people will never ever agree. Sometimes a person is just plain evil. And it could be years and years before that person possibly comes to his senses. Hmm. But in order to heal, you have to let that past go and step forward into that forgiveness. A number of years ago when we left the Presbyterian denomination, it was very traumatic for both Emedla and I when we left that church. And I must say, not everything that I did was right. I was just experiencing a huge amount of trauma in my own life and needed to get out of that situation. But there was one particular elder that was just unbelievably ruthless, just nasty. And I attended a funeral a little while after I had left the Presbyterian church, at that same church, and we went back and I saw him. And I'm, I must say, it was probably a month or two afterwards, I saw him and I just thought, yes, but if you just put your foot wrong in anything that isn't dealing with me, if you say something, I, I'm going to rip your head right off your shoulders. And I, and I knew that there was a problem that I had in, in my heart. And I had to work through that and work through that. But the interesting thing about that situation is that years later, after we had uh, planted a church on the other side of Durbanville, uh, joined that church to Josh Jen, uh, and had been a part of Josh Jen for, he, he phoned me up one day. And I mean, I, really? He says, can I see you? I said, sure. And he came and he sat down and he spoke to me and he said, I want to apologize for my behavior. I mean, this is years later now. And I was totally, totally, totally at peace with what he had to say. I, I assured him, it's good. You know, there's a verse in the last chapter in Genesis where Joseph has dealt with his brothers, seen his brothers, revealed himself to his brothers. These are the brothers that sold him into slavery. Eh? They wanted to throw him into a pit and say to his father, he's died, uh, sold into slavery. He had to endure real, real hardship in Egypt. Uh, but he's, because of God's providence, has come to that place where he is second in charge of the nation of Egypt. And he's got his brothers in front of me. In front of him, and he said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. 
You know, and somewhere along the way, we have to believe that God's providence is active and involved in the situation. Sometimes somebody hurts you so sore, so badly. This guy, that was one of the compelling things for me to leave the Presbyterian Church. But let me, let me tell you, there's just been such joy in our lives and in our family with, with us moving into this place called Josh Generation Church. I love, love serving it. And I have to say to him, I, I, I'm grateful for your response back then to me. And I thank you for what you did. I mean, he was like surprised. You intended to harm me. But God worked good out of that situation. Forgiveness is not trust or reconciliation. Forgiveness is free. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is for all people. Trust is for safe people. And sometimes we forgive somebody. It doesn't mean to say that you trust that person in a close relationship. If somebody has... Uh, if a, husband and a wife, if there's been adultery or if there's been a, an affair that's taken place, it's going to take time for trust to be re-established. Your heart motive needs to be not to harm the offender, but prevent them from hurting somebody else. And if there has been a crime, you need to report that to the police and for them to get involved in that situation. I want to use two examples now of Forgiveness and not forgiveness. The first one comes from the Old Testament, and it was with David. Two fathers, the other one is the prodigal father, prodigal son, story of the prodigal father or son, depending on how. Prodigal means lavish, extravagant. Uh, I think if there was anybody who was lavish and extravagant in the prodigal son story, it was the father. But the first one was King David. and. David had, I think, eight wives and many others. <laughs> he had some concubines. So Bathsheba was his eighth wife. But anyway, it was a chamos, the family situation. It was just a messed up situation. And he had a, a daughter named um, Tamar and Absalom uh, were brother and sister. Absalom was his older son, and uh, Tamar was raped by one of the half-brothers, Amnon. And uh, Absalom was furious with this and soared to the death of Amnon. And so all of this is going on in David's palace. And David was really, really offended by this, and he loved Amnon, and, you know, he mourned for Amnon. And anyway, um, Absalom ran away. And eventually he said to King David, said to Joab, the general, go and fetch Absalom and bring him back to Jerusalem. So he went and he fetched him and brought him back. And in bringing him back, he said to, to Joab, uh, don't, don't let him see my face, meaning don't let him come into my presence. He can stay in his house, his own place. But I don't, I don't want him to be in my presence. One day, one week, one month, one year, 
two years. Did not set eyes on one another. This is a story of incomplete forgiveness. Until eventually Absalom raised a revolt against David. But he didn't have enough power and strength in his army, little army, to come against David. And Joab and his main soldiers chased after him, killed him. And when David found out about Absalom's death, he went to the city gates, got on top of the gates, and he cried out, My son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. David's incomplete forgiveness, limited and conditional. And because of that, he lost his son. The other one is the story of, in Luke 15, of the prodigal son, father. Son goes off, squanders his money, had asked for his inheritance, lost it all, said, I'll go back to my father, ask him to be one of the hired help, comes back and says, I'm not worthy to be a son, please hire me as one of the servants, and the father has none of it. Hears, doesn't even hear him saying that. He says, bring the best robe, put a ring on his finger, Sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it, let's eat and be merry. The son of mine was dead. He's come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. Let us begin to be merry. He expressed wholehearted affection and complete forgiveness towards his son. That's the attitude of forgiveness. Listen, all of us need forgiveness, no matter who we are, whether we're old or whether we're young, whether we're skinny or whether we're fat, whether we're intelligent or whether we're not. We all need forgiveness, but we all stand totally, totally bankrupt before God. Isaiah said, when, 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 he, when he saw a vision of God, he said, Woe is me, for I am a sinful man, O God. Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Peter said, Depart from me, God, for I'm a sinful man. We all, we all need forgiveness. All of us have fallen short. George Herbert, who was a, a priest in the 17th century, said, he, cannot, he who cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass if he would reach heaven, for everyone has need of forgiven, uh, being forgiven. How, how do you know that you've got an unforgiving spirit? Let me read a few things here. You think that you're better off than others. They make mistakes. You never make mistakes. You're super sensitive. You're always super sensitive. You take personally what other people think, even if they aren't aiming anything at you. You're suspicious about other people's motives. It causes you to withdraw. You're a spectator rather than a participant in life. After all, you think yourself better than others. You build up an aggression inside of you. You're unable to laugh 
problems off, little problems. You're usually lonely, you're critical, you're negative, and you're nervous of people. You usually invent a problem to fight about. You've received forgiveness in your heads, but it hasn't dropped into your heart. And sometimes that's the longest distance. Those 12 inches, those 30 centimeters, it's the longest distance in your entire life for that thought to drop into your heart. It's a commercial transaction, but it's not hot. You see, unforgiveness is a luxury of the flesh that we can't afford. We definitely can't afford. This guy was handed over to the torturers. Really? I mean, that just boggles my mind because he wouldn't forgive somebody 9,000 rand. When Jesus started his ministry, and I think it was Kirsten that read that passage from Isaiah, Jesus, when he started his ministry, opened up the scroll of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. He read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The first thing, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Okay, look at that. It's release the captives, set free those who are downtrodden. As we forgive somebody, we release and we set free. And that should be our job all the time, is to do that. If we're not doing that, we're placing people in bondage. And who is the one who gives bondage? It's the evil one. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 talks about the snare of the devil. If you're not doing the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that was his ministry and he asks us to do the same. If we're not doing that work, whose work are we doing? You're never closer to the Lord Jesus than when you confess your sin. Lord, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. You're never more like Jesus when you forgive somebody who has sinned against you. You want to be like Jesus? Be a great forgiver. Jesus wanted to create a race of forgiving men and women. And you would never ever have entered into freedom with Christ unless you've learned how to forgive. R.T. Kendall lists a number of things here about how what happens when we refuse to forgive. He says, your fellowship with the Father is blocked. The Holy Spirit is grieved. Your prayers are not answered. God leaves you alone to face your problems all in your own power. The devil gains a foothold. You face God to become your enemy. You force God to become your enemy. You lose the blessing of God in your life. You waste time nursing a wounded spirit. You become enslaved to people you hate. You become like people you refuse to forgive. You see, the interesting thing here is that we become a person's slave. 
because we're so consumed with vengeance and bitterness and resentment that we can't sleep in our own bed, that when we get up and we, 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 we're sitting at our dining room table, we can't eat a decent amount of food because we're consumed with that thing that has happened to us. And really, you have become that person's slave. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no roots of bitterness spring up causing trouble, and by it many are defiled. Bitterness will always hurt you. The Chinese have a proverb, a proverb, before starting down the road of revenge, dig two graves. Some church leaders who have led people astray, Joseph Smith, Moses David for the children of God, Jim Jones in Jonestown, and 909 people committed suicide with, through cyanide poisoning. I mean, these people, David Koresh in Waco, Texas, these people all had one thing in common. They hated the hypocrisy. And they turned, it turned into self-righteousness and intense resentment. And it destroyed families and it destroyed the lives of many people. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. You see, forgiveness is a decision. It's not, I, you don't ever feel like forgiving. Your, your, your logic has to override what you're feeling. And it's a decision. Jesus said at the end of this parable, he said, you need to forgive from your heart. In other words, our heart is, is like a hook. It hangs on to stuff. And we need to forgive from our heart. We need to straighten that hook so that nothing holds on to that. It just slips off. And it's a decision. And I think forgiveness is an act of will. It's, it's, it's a choice that we make from experiencing hurt most alcoholics, most addicts have a hard time with this. And it's been proven many, many times in clinical tests. Resentment is the core of a drinking problem. For example, one person said, when I joined AA, I discovered that I had to face fierce resentment against my ex-wife. She was living rent-free in my head. Having resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You've heard that one. Eh? I want to finish off. Beginning of my ministry, I worked at a church as an assistant minister. And I was there for two years. Met Medler, got married. It was a very happy time for us, uh, and we were coming to the end of that two-year period, and I was going to move on to my own first church, my own first charge, and I thought, wow, this is wonderful. And just as it was coming to the end of that two-year period, the person that I was working with, uh, he probably was having a nervous breakdown, decided that he was going to resign. And he was going to divorce his wife and he was going to move to a whole different city. 
and he came in and he announced that he was going to resign. He's going to get divorced. He announced it to the elders. It was a big group of elders of about 30 elders. We were absolutely devastated. But I was the guy for a period of a month, hoping that it would be a very happy time as I came to the end of this stay, this tenure at this church, that it would be a wonderful time. I had to pick up the incredible pain and the hurt that this congregation was going through at this time. And he left. And I, for a month, and then we moved on to our other congregation, but for a month, the absolute devastation that took place in that church. And I, I, I took a long time for me. And I, one day I was praying and I just thought, Lord, is there anybody that I need to forgive? And immediately, this person's name came into my, my head and my heart. Found out his telephone number, phoned him in Johannesburg, and the phone rang. And it rang. And it rang, and I'm thinking, yes, he's not going to answer. Lord, I did my job. I tried, and it didn't happen. And as I was about to put the phone down, he picked it up, and he said, hello. He said his name. And there unfolded a conversation. And I apologized. You know, when I put that phone down, I just began to weep. Isaiah 9 and verse 4 says, He will break the chains that bind his people. And at that moment, a chain was broken. A chain was broken. You know, sometimes we think, Forgiveness is about setting the prisoner free. But sometimes we realize the prisoner is us. Am I calling you to costly discipleship? This is too much, Richard. It's too expensive. Listen. Listen real carefully. It's negligible in comparison to the cost if you don't forgive. So shall my heavenly Father forgive if you forgive. But if you do not forgive, neither will my Father forgive you. That's costly. That's way too costly. 